Can either of you guess what iconic film just celebrated its 20th anniversary? 20. Iconic. So this would be 2001. Sorry, 25th, I guess. 25th. 1996? Yes, sir. What scale of iconic? Like. I'll give you a hint. Okay. If you look back to last weekend, it might reveal the answer. Is it like scary movie? July 4th. Oh. Oh, Independence, Independence Day. Oh. Independence Day. Oh. oh. 20, wow. 25 years of welcome wow. to Earth. Wow. Welcome to. I still, to... <laughs> I still need also, to watch way, it. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, and remember. By the way, that's also the, I guess, fifth anniversary of The Watchmen's highest listen to review of all time yes was it the second independence day independence day resurgence yes oh, pardon me <laughs> i don't know what happened <laughs> somehow we... i don't know which uh russian uh news source picked it up and it blew up on russian twitter but uh <laughs> that was my slow climb into the podcast yeah. was doing fact checks for that episode oh yeah that's oh, true really? mm-hmm memory but yeah independence day um still a great movie i'm gonna put yeah. that out there a great oh movie. yeah i should watch it i need to definitely it. would recommend great speech and, uh, at the end by the president yes the president played by uh bill, bill pa- yeah we're going we're going to live on Paxton, weren't you? i was gonna say paxton but yeah um, there's a, here, here's a fun fact about this movie. There's a couple, actually. There's some interesting things that came out for the 25th anniversary. Um, one of the major things was actually that the studio, I guess, was fighting uh, both Roland Emmerich and the uh, the writer of the film. I, I don't know the guy's name off the top of my head. Anyways, they were fighting against Will Smith as the lead for this movie, claiming that uh, a black actor could never sell overseas. Yikes. But uh, Yikes. I apparently proven very wrong as Independence Day actually up until Aladdin was Will Smith's highest grossing film. What? Yeah. Really? Aladdin? Up until that point. Even even before like Men in Black or even above Men in Black? Yes. Wow. It was, it was a huge wow. deal. Huge deal. Also, another fun fact, more fun. Uh, than, the, than the previous fact was that apparently this movie I think before it was like a wide release was screened for the Clinton administration hmm. and <laughs> there was an argument uh, amongst the uh, amongst the crew or the main the main crew uh, the main actors and Roland Emmerich um, who would have to sit next to the Clintons to watch it and Roland Emmerich's like, no, 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 I'm German. I'm not. I'm not going to be the one. <laughs> so apparently, Bill Pullman pulled the short straw and had to sit between Bill and Hillary for the entire film. Wow. You know, I feel like there would be more pressure on the Clintons to, you know, put on a good face than Bill Pullman. Don't you think? <laughs> or... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm they're they're politicians though, so they're used to just yeah. pretending all the time, and then they continued to, to do that like till till yeah. this day. They still continue, right? <laughs> that's a great movie, and I remember go. also we debunked that people often say Will Smith said "Welcome to Earth" with it, like with an F at the end, and if you listen to the clip, it's clearly a th, which mm-hmm. I blame racism. To be honest, I think it's a, it's a stereotype. <laughs> That they that he think he can't pronounce the word, so mm-hmm. just let it be known. He said, "Welcome to Earth." <laughs> Debunk. Why would he say "Welcome to Earth"? As if it's like an ebonics type thing, I guess. I don't know. Oh, I like, see. You know. All right. It is. It's a, a classic movie. scene. Uh, um, the movie is actually worth watching. It's it's still fun. Plus, like to have Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum like lead your movie couldn't be more 1990s yeah Yeah, that's so true i have a fun fact that's very tangentially related to watching a screening um oh shoot now i can't remember his name he's the he's the canadian um astronaut chris Chris hadfield yeah chris hadfield told a story at an event like at a alumni event about how he was invited to watch gravity at like the screening of gravity. And then halfway through the movie, he realized, oh, I was invited because he he had to say a few words after. And he realized in the middle of the movie, like, 
oh, I was invited because I have to say something positive about the movie and I don't really have anything positive to say. And so like he just found a nugget of the movie that was like, oh, so nostalgic to see the dried food or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) And just talked about that (laughs) in his I was going to say, I don't think there could be anything worse than having to sit next to like a super serious scientist in a movie like that. Like, I'm just thinking like the worst person to watch a movie with would be like Neil deGrasse Tyson for all of his his annoying, you know, well, actually about (laughs) about fake movie things. So, yeah. I still love Gravity too. Great movie. I can't watch it. I don't think I've ever it, watched it. It's just like, this is what <laughs> I'm afraid of. This is my greatest fear. It's very easy to avoid. I am afraid of being shot out of my spaceship and just floating aimlessly into space. And yet you still play Among Us. Yeah, you know, I didn't put that together until just now. <laughs> just but never get have... voted off. I just, I just don't have like that's not quite as visceral as watching it happen. It would be pretty bad. I, I, I am yeah. also opposed to that happening. So, well, here you go. Right away, already two golden recommendations for everyone out there to start watching: Independence Day and Gravity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what we're it's the name of the game. It is the Watchmen podcast. Took five minutes to get to that, but. Um, and we are making some recommendations today. I don't know if we're recommending for each other or just recommending in general. Um, I'm, I've been watching a lot of movies lately, so I'm just going to recommend based on what I've been watching. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, let's do the news. Please listen carefully. Director Richard Donner passed away on July 5th. You may remember Donner as director of films like Lethal Weapon series and Goonies, but he also played a big role in the superhero genre. Not only was he the original director of the first Superman movie, but he also executive produced X-Men and later the unfortunate prequel X-Men Origins Wolverine, which I, which I just watched recently, by the way. Donner was 91 years old when he died. Uh, don't wow. watch X-Men Origins Wolverine. I will not be recommending that one. It's uh, a stain on this man's reputation. So he'd say. <laughs> the movies that he's made are like, there There are certain ones that I, I definitely have seen. Um, Lethal Weapon, The Goonies, The Omen, which, by the way, a great horror movie still. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, but I don't even know if I've seen his original Superman. But I think those all of these would be actually do for a rewatch for sure yeah I, mean, I don't think i've watched any of the old old superman movies since like the I 90s haven't. so yeah yeah i think so in fact hmm? sorry go on joyce oh i was just gonna say like something blasphemous is that my first um entry into superman was the tv show with dean kane and oh Lois and clark yeah yeah mm-hmm yeah. Is it called Lois and Clark? Is it really I that much so. of a play on Lewis and Clark? Mm, wow. I think it's like the new adventures of Lois and Clark or something mm, like that. Terry yeah. Hatcher, yeah. I, I remember yeah. that. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Shannon Lee, the daughter of Bruce Lee, took to the Hollywood Reporter to ask director Quentin Tarantino to please, please, please stop talking about Bruce Lee. Tarantino, no stranger to cultural insensitivities, Represented Lee in the film Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, if you don't remember, you can listen back to our old episode, we talked about it uh, on that one, but he represented Lee as a sort of overly cocky martial artist, sort of prima donna actor, who eventually gets thrown into a car by stuntman Cliff, who was played by Brad Pitt. While that extreme representation got a ton of backlash at the time, the bad blood between Tarantino and Lee has returned again after Tarantino went on the Joe Rogan experience for some reason to once again, or I don't even know if it's still called Joe Rogan experience because it's on Spotify now, but anyway, uh, to once again defend his portrayal of Bruce Lee. Shannon Lee notes in her column that it's weird that Tarantino would, quote, speak like he knew Bruce Lee and hated him. (laughs) Her hope is that the article will finally put the entire chapter to rest but I have a feeling when it comes to Tarantino, he will not stop talking about it. No. Well, he said, I read some of a little bit more about that. And he said, like, I get if she's upset, but everyone else who's upset can suck balls is, is his exact quote. And then and then the rebuttal to her saying he doesn't know him 
is, well, she didn't know him either. Yeah. Because he was, she was four, I think, when he died. That is probably yeah. not the best that's, thing to say. That's a take. You know? it's, a, it's a weird one. I mean, uh, I don't, it's hard to even have an opinion on it. I will t- divert it to the fact that Tarantino actually released his first book which mm-hmm. is why I think he was on the Joe Rogan experience talking about it. Mm-hmm. It's the, it's another fictionalization around once upon a time in Hollywood, a little paperback you can buy. Yes, exactly. It's the novelization. Yeah. From what I understand, mm-hmm. I think it kind of expands on it a little bit, which I'm sure mm-hmm. um, probably is pretty good. I think it was a, there's a, I think it was Prima Abdul-Jabbar actually who wrote a piece about it. I'm not sure I could be totally wrong. That was just talking about how like, a long white fantasy is you write fictional portrayals of the things that you wish could happen. So if you want to beat up Bruce Lee, you just create a character who does that for you. And it's sort of what Tarantino did, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think it was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and he, he defended Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Cause he I did films that, with Bruce Lee. Yeah. I think, Tar- I mean, I, again, I haven't listened to all of the interviews. I think Tarantino like has an opinion about Bruce Lee as a, as an actor, but it's no doubt he takes influence from his work either. I mean, Kill Bill, the iconic costume is Bruce Lee. Yeah. Costume, like, I mean, and his obvious appreciation for uh, for a lot of, like, Asian martial arts cinema and whatnot, whether it's Kill Bill um, or even, like, uh, some of the some of the films that he helped produce and get distributed in the U.S. to, like, Jet Li's Hero and some other mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he's just got a particular beef with, with Bruce Lee that, is just bizarre. Shannon mm-hmm. Lee noted the Kill Bill stuff and noted that Bruce Lee's never mentioned in that. That's all just sort of like a quiet homage. But now when mm-hmm. it comes time to representing his character, he can't shut up about uh, it. So yes. anyway, moving on to more Tarantino news. The director claims that his next film will be his last. Speaking on Real Time with Bill Maher, because apparently he will only go on talk shows with the worst people, Tarantino said he's calling it a career after 30 years because he's given it all he has and because he knows film history and from here on, quote, directors do not get better. There is no word on what the final movie will be, but it's not likely to be Star Trek. You know how he wants to direct a Star Trek movie? I think he also wants to do a James Bond movie, but uh, probably neither. Probably neither. He did say that, because um, they've always talked about Kill Bill 3, and he did say that if he were to do Kill Bill 3, he would cast Maya Hawke, a.k.a. Uma Thurman, and Ethan Hawke's daughter wow. in the movie. Well, there you go. Um, anyway, it's, uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm wondering if he truly will just walk away and give it all up. I don't know. I think he's like, it, I guess it depends how satisfied he is writing. Cause I think for forever, he's been talking about just like becoming a writer full time type thing. But he did just also purchase another theater chain in LA or another theater. Cause he owns the, the new Beverly and there was a, a slew of them that went out of business during COVID. I think he rescued one of them mm-hmm. type of situation. So maybe I'll just become a theater manager. Maybe <laughs> anyway. Um, Vin Diesel claims that one of his most beloved anti-hero characters is coming back. And no, he's not talking about Triple X, which we did review. Remember when we reviewed Triple X? One of the Triple X? I think the sequel? Um, it's anyway. like Triple X Cubed? Yeah, something like that. Was it a sequel or like the threequel? Because I don't even know how many Triple X movies there are. Well, it is not Triple X who's coming back. It's Riddick, star of such movies as Pitch Black and some other ones that weren't very good. Uh, the character Riddick is sort of an outlaw mercenary, last of his kind warrior who can see in the dark. Uh, I think it's based on a series of books, though there have there has already been three movies and the franchise has not been financially successful. It has seen some success in the video game world with the Chronicles of Riddick Escape from Butcher Bay. I remember that was a very popular game. Diesel says the script for the fourth chapter is already written and should be a good t- tie in for more video games. And I believe they are shooting in Australia. So... You know, it's funny because I just watched Pitch Black like three days ago and then I read this news. So clearly it's targeted at me, but uh, I don't... A surprise to discover that there's already three Riddick movies. Very surprising. I was like, what? I knew there was a second. I knew there was another one, but I didn't know there were three. Apparently there's a big cult following, uh, which I'm a bit surprised by. But this also reminds me, and I don't know if you guys saw the uh, family memes, the Fast and the Furious memes that hit Twitter... 
Yes. <laughs> no, those are amazing. Uh, <laughs> it's like, you know, somebody's about to fight Godzilla and they're like, well, Godzilla will never stop him. And then he's like, no, the only thing that can't be stopped is family and then drives a car <laughs> through Godzilla. <laughs> I think it's the thing with Vin Diesel is like you really can't decide whether or not he would be offended by this or like can roll with it. It's so hard to know. Well, probably roll with it. I, I don't know. He's he, I, other than The Rock, he seems to be easygoing with most things. I, don't know. I often confuse his filmography with The Rock. Really? They both yeah. are large, bald men. So. <laughs> like not with Fast and the Furious, although has The Rock ever been in the in oh, the yeah. Fast and the Furious? Okay, that was yes. the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So like, like he was destroying the family. He was <laughs> oh. he was home wrecking the Fast and Furious. I see. By yeah, but like star. the smaller movies that they do, like not the big franchises, the smaller ones. I sometimes confuse who was who in it. But I I've never, you know, I may watch this Fast and the Furious just to see Helen Mirren. Oh yeah, I heard about that. She's in yeah. it. I've not seen it, Fast Nine or whatever it's called, um, but I did hear that at some point Ludacris does go to space, which I don't know if that uh, sells me on the movie or repels me from the movie. But huh. <laughs> this one crosses that territory. I you that's you know it's so. I understand far that you're from, <laughs> So far from what I understand this movie to be. Like, I, do, I don't understand how space was an option. Well, you drive so fast and so furiously that you leave the terrestrial body of Earth, I guess. I don't know. But when you no. have family, anything is possible, Joyce. That's, mm. that's oh, the I message see. here. Yeah, they're really... Yeah, okay. <laughs> anyway, speaking of... <laughs> F9, because this ties in. Reviews are out for Black Widow. I don't know if you guys have been checking the reviews for Black Widow. Nope. Hits theaters on the 9th. Uh, and they are fine. Pretty yeah, well. average reviews. Um, the long overdue Scarlett Johansson standalone movie currently sits at 82% on Rotten Tomatoes, mm -hmm. which puts it... What what If you haven't read the news... Um, what what movies? What other Marvel movies do you think are in, in the round eighty two percent zone? Iron Man two. Nope. Uh, Winter Soldier. No, I'll, I'll give you a hint though. The movie that it is that was eighty three percent is one of I think uh, Sam's favorite MCU movies. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Uh, Doctor Strange. Ant Man. Ant-Man Ant oh, wow. is at 83, which is low, was low for MCU. Yeah. So, oh, okay. I didn't know I think that. Black Widow comes in at about 16th place. If he... So, you know, if Black Widow came out in 2014 to like, to that, like any time before Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think I would have been really excited for it. Like it is long overdue, but it was long overdue like seven years ago um and now she's just said so much shit that I'm not, <laughs> that, I'm not that interested in in supporting scarlett johansson as much anymore even though that's yeah. separate from black widow but you know yeah. what's interesting i think about this one is like the reviews of it if you read the ones that are positive but yeah. not like effusive they're basically like, it's a solid little action movie that's very MCU formula. Mm -hmm. And I was mm -hmm. really surprised because the director is Kate Shortland, who normally did like smaller indie movies. And I was kind of surprised that she came in and like followed the MCU recipe. But maybe that's how it goes. Mm -hmm. um, but the critics who hated it, um, they were they were just sort of like, this is more of the cookie cutter, play it safe, boring stuff. Nevertheless, though, everyone expects that Black Widow will break F9's box office record for 2021. Any commentary on the excellence of the fake Russian accents? Yeah, I don't know about that, but um, nobody waited. It's funny to read some of the... It's funny how the reviews can go extreme both ways. Like some people were like, this is one of the best Marvel movies ever made. And then some people were like, this is total garbage and I hated it. So... I'm kind of interested in where this one goes, but I don't think I would go see it in theaters. What you're describing sounds nothing like the internet at all. 
<laughs> so did you see what Steven Dorf said about the movie? I don't even really know him that well, except he was like, I'm embarrassed for her. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. Your he... close personal friend, Steven Dorf. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I don't know anything about his, his movies. I don't think you'd be embarrassed about anybody who's collecting the kind of paycheck that she got for that movie, but. Also, just I don't... keep thinking about Mickey Rourke talking about being in a Marvel movie. It's just so yeah. funny. Yeah. I won't forget that anytime soon. Uh, and the last bit of news. Finally, for the first time since 2019, the distinguished booze of filmgoers can once again be heard in the auditoriums of the Cannes Film Festival. As the most famous Ooh. fest of them all kicked off this week, this year's jury, led by a man well-versed in booing from his courtside seats at New York Knicks games, Spike Lee will be tasked oh. with awarding one lucky film with a coveted palm door. In mm-hmm. the running are a slew of hotly anticipated films, including Wes Anderson's delayed newspaper flick, The French Dispatch, Annette, mm-hmm. a bonkers Adam Driver, Marianne Cotillard musical, a film about a French-Canadian singing sensation named... I'm gonna get Celine Dion? Aline Dieu. <laughs> That's totally not just not. a secret Celine Dion <laughs> biopic. Yeah. <laughs> Bendetta, a new erotic thriller about 17th century nuns from the always salacious Paul Verhoeven and yeah. Stillwater, the latest inspired by true events movie by the spotlight guy that might bag a shiny new best actor award for its lead, Matt Damon. Here's hoping that any of these are anywhere near as good as 2019's Palme d'Or champion, Parasite. A fine that's one the, indeed. It's a, a tough one to follow, Parasite, mm-hmm. going going from uh, can, con, uh, winner to best picture at the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Not many I'm, do I'm, that. I'm definitely excited for the Paul Verhoeven one. I love all Paul Verhoeven's movies. We've reviewed a few of his on here. I think we took uh, Robocop. Yeah. We've done Starship Troopers. Yeah. I don't know if we ever did Total Recall, though. Maybe we did. Great movie. I love, I love Marion Cotillard, so I want to I wanna check that one out. And I just want to toss in one extra piece of news, um, because yeah. my friend, friend of the pod, Matt Gooch, sent it to me, and then I put it, posted it on our Discord, but I'll, I'll read about it now. And that is it. So once upon a time, Zack Snyder pitched a Star Wars movie that was essentially, what if... Star Wars did Seven Samurai, and they didn't take it. And then they made it in Mandalorian, because there's definitely a Seven uh, Samurai episode. And I mean, George Lucas has famously and um, publicly stated how inspired he is by Kurosawa, and that's how he makes the movies he makes. But anyway, Snyder and Netflix have announced his next film. It's called Rebel Moon, and it is essentially what he pitched to Star Wars, but now it has no none of those Star Wars elements you know, for legal uh, reasons. A girl with a mysterious warrior past recruits warriors from other planets to stop an invading and power-hungry emperor type. Here's what Snyder says about it, and this quote is amazing. It's my love of sci-fi and giant adventure. My hope is that this also becomes a massive IP and a universe that can be built out. He's just a man with a simple dream, and that dream is that he can make a trillion-dollar franchise. Is that too much to ask? He's had he had one shot at it and it it went went really well, right? Yeah, that's why everybody considers Batman v Superman and Justice League to be the best uh, superhero stuff out there. Precisely. Well, Zack Snyder, best of luck. I'm sure uh, (laughs) one of the major streaming services will be happy to heap millions, hundreds of millions of dollars into your crazy space fantasy dreams. You know who was a shockingly really good older Bruce Wayne? Um, Ian Glenn, better known as Sir Jorah Mormont Ooh. from Game of Thrones. And in, yeah. In, uh, he's in Gotham, right? I think so. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Just as like a guest star. Really good. That's also Bruce Downton Wayne. Abbey. Let's not forget. I like oh, that. Yeah. I like that oh, yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, that is the news. Let's, uh, I, I don't know what we're going to play for transition music, but uh, something fun, and then we'll talk about uh, whatever we're recommending these days. Mm-hmm. You never wanted to look beyond the clouds and the stars? Or to know what causes the trees to bud and what changes the darkness into light? Where should we be if nobody tried to find out what lies beyond? 
Inside this room, all of my dreams become realities. And some of my realities become dreams. Movies are movies, not life. These stories are beautiful. And action! I'm supposed to be making a feature-length picture. We're going to need a script. My genre's thriller. What's yours? True rags to riches story. Must be a double feature. Did you find another actor? I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. Does this character have a name? Bond. James Bond. They call me Mr. Tibbs. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. I am your father. Right. What would you say you do here? Explosions, flames! You maniac! You blew it up! Do you know that you're insane? We all go a little mad sometimes. <laughs> and the purpose of civilization is to be able to empathize with other people. And for me, the movies are like a machine that generates empathy. It lets you understand a little bit more about different hopes, aspirations, dreams, and fears. Nobody loves me. I love you. I need to believe that something extraordinary is possible. You never really understand a person until you consider things from his point of view. Did you climb inside of his skin, walk around in it. What you represent to them is freedom. If you want to have freedom, you gotta go where the freedom is. I'm just trying to survive. Well, I don't want to survive. I want to live. What are you talking about? Hope. Hope is a good thing. Maybe the best of things. And no good thing ever dies. Okay, so I've been watching a lot of action movies, and you guys are going to get those as recommendations. I hope you're ready for that. Ready. Um, and this is, you know, it's just a fun thing for anybody out there, the the three to ten people who listen <laughs> to this podcast. Half half in Saskatoon. Yep, Saskatoon <laughs> are um, where where our base is. That's who we, we did are. mention Independence Day Resurgence, so I would expect at least double that for this episode yeah that's true our, our <laughs> hotbed um if we were talking about speaking of saskatoon or saskatchewan in general if we were talking about things we are looking forward to in the future i would say she hulk which stars um i can't remember the name of the actress but she's a native saskatchewanian saskatchewan oh. if someone can uh i can look that up for you tatiana Mas- maslany yeah and she was in um she was also in perry mason which i watched so anyway Shout out to oh, nice. She-Hulk, which I'm very excited about. And oh, I don't. Oh, have you guys been? As well. right, have, right. have you guys been watching Loki? By the way, I have. I, I, I watched one. Ep- I've watched one episode. Some some people really like it. I kind of struggle with it. I don't know. I I just kind of can't. I just kind of find myself tuning out as I watch it. I don't know. Do you like it? I like the first episode. Yeah, I, that was going to be one of my like sheepish 
recommendation. <laughs> I I know some people love it. Like Reg was yeah. talking about how much he really likes it. Whereas for me, I was like, I just can't get into it. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Let's start with you, Joyce, and uh, you can throw something out to recommend. Um, what have you been watching lately? Yeah, I've been wa- well. I've been watching Loki, mm-hmm. and I knew like I'm I'm still invested. I haven't reached the point yet where. I, like I'm kind of tired of them like everyone else for all of like the Marvel explosion, but I'm still invested in the characters enough that I'll watch it even if it's like on a cursory level. And Loki has been really fun. Like Owen Wilson is um very Owen Wilson, <laughs> but um, but like so like fits in so charmingly. And um it's nice to see Tom Hiddleston as the main character and not the side character. And you forget sometimes that he's so talented or I, I forget that he's so talented as Loki because I, I kind of think of him very separately. Like all of his other work is so different from, from Loki, right. That I kind of forget that it's Tom Hiddleston and, um, and he's so good. And it's been, it's been fun to explore his character a little bit more. The whole like retro government bureaucracy setting of Loki is also really fun. Uh, so I, and it doesn't follow, it's not as prescriptive as all the other uh, Marvel movies, like the way that WandaVision turned into, it, it became another. And same with um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, where it becomes this like just shooting, fighting, right? Like mission. And it's not like that for Loki. It's a lot, it's a lot quieter paced. I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty great summary. I think that's, I got some of the, some of the similar vibes just from that first episode. I mean, I'm not too worried about spoilers if there was anything specific you wanted to share, but from that first episode, I, I thought Owen Wilson was definitely awesome in it. I agree. Mm -hmm. Like he is, I, I can't remember the last time I saw him in something. And so I think this, he plays a lot more of like kind of the straight man in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, being the, like compared to what I remember Owen Wilson being, like mm-hmm. more of like a goofball. Mm-hmm. And I like that. And I think him and him and Loki or Tom Hiddleston and uh, Owen Wilson have good chemistry, surprisingly. Like yeah, I think that's good. where it really benefits yeah. from having two really like great actors working together yeah. Yeah. because they can they can just make it work. And I, I agree, like, tonally, the show is a bit weird, but I, in, a, in a really good way where mm-hmm. um, it kind of keeps you on your toes a little bit. And yeah. this was the one after the first episode that I was most curious to see, like, uh, more, like, plot-wise where things go and, like, what it means for the universe. Because this is clearly the setup for all, the biggest setup, I should say, for the for the next phase of Marvel, where multiverses are possible and you're going to yeah. get essentially like the greatest hits of spider-man in the next spider-man movie and yeah you know movies like multiverse of madness it's like you kind of see where it's going and it, it, it it's, it's kind of going like a seed of excitement definitely it's going that direction so here's some spoilers here's some spoilers from the last two episodes that really revealed a lot um Owen, like Loki is a variant in the timeline. So he like didn't go down the t- the path that he was supposed to go down. He, he interrupted it because he used the Tesseract to get himself out of that situation that he was in. And, um, and so he created like a divergence and he's considered a variant. And, um, and so Owen Wilson is there to try to course correct that variant, but they, but he wants to work with Loki because there's a variant that's gone rogue and out of control and like creating havoc. And that variant is another Loki, but that Loki is a woman. And so she's a woman for like, this is a different multiverse Loki where she's a woman. Her name is Sylvie and, um, and Loki and Sylvie end up like teaming up for the last two episodes to, um, to fight against the timekeepers who turn out to be the big bad. And of course, yeah and um but like there's still stuff that's going on with the timekeepers where you don't really know what's happening because they might not be real people and then sylvie and loki like they start sharing their versions of life and like and their sexuality is revealed where they're um they're interested in both men and women and then they kind of fall in love with each other in a way when like it looks like they might be at the like 
at the end of the world or something like they're on a planet where a moon's going to come and crush them. And, <laughs> and Owen Wilson is like, you're that narcissistic that you fall in love with yourself. <laughs> Makes perfect and sense. yeah, so it's, um, so it definitely is going down a version of the multiverse because in the last episode, you think that Loki gets erased, but he ends up in another, like, in another area where there's like multi versions of Loki. So there's like a Richard E. Grant version of Loki. There's a alligator <laughs> wearing the Loki horns, like an actual like lizard um, wearing the Loki horns. And there's like a little boy in the Loki costume. So, and then there's like a falling apart Avengers tower in the background. And that's the end of the, of the episode, the last one. No. Oh. Yeah, I sh I'll probably keep watching. I mean, I think this, it just sounds like um, for people who are already kind of bemoaning the Marvel universe for <laughs> nothing ever being permanent, you know, killing mm -hmm. characters just to bring them back. Yeah. Like when you, when I now think about the announcements that, you know, in the next Thor movie, you're going to have a female Thor. It's like, this gives them excuses to change things, tweak characters, give Natalie Portman, Thor's hammer, and then yeah. kind of be like, well, yeah, but that's like one universe and another one that that doesn't happen or whatever, you know. That would make I'm sense kind of, if I'm kind of okay Sylvie. Yeah. I wonder if Natalie Portman belongs to the Sylvie timeline. But I don't know. Women. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Be very, very um, <clears throat> convenient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... I mean, I still watch it, but I, I don't know. I, maybe it's all the time stuff, and I'm just like, uh, I don't know. I don't care. Time stuff is always, right? Like, always a little suspicious. Because yeah. you, you can never actually have it um, have it clear. There's just too many little, like, loopholes. I'm sure Christopher Nolan is tuning in weekly. Probably, yeah. He probably <laughs> loves taking, it. Taking I miss furious notes. I still miss WandaVision. WandaVision was my favorite. But anyway, uh, yeah. let's move on. Let's have, let's Sam, let's hear a recommendation from you. Uh, I'll go. It's a very different tonal direction, but in the realm of TV, I'll throw it back to 2001 and to probably the best TV series maybe ever created, in my opinion, which is ba Band of Brothers. Um, oh yeah it's a mini series mm -hmm. i've seen probably i'm on this is probably like my sixth seventh or eighth watch through but um on the on the anniversary of d-day uh, earlier in june i restarted watching this and it's just an incredible incredible hbo um series for anyone who has any interest at all in world war ii history um, war films in general, or just like phenomenal acting and um, incredible stories. This this show is so watchable. Mm -hmm. So many years later, I mean, it's produced, executive produced by Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks, obviously with mm -hmm. Saving Private Ryan fame and experience. But the way that the show integrates interviews with the actual, at the time, surviving members of easy company whose stories make up the show um the 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 big name actors that are just like in bit parts in this show too like michael fassbender is like a throwaway yeah just yeah. like his character jimmy fallon is like randomly in it for a second um i mean damian lewis is absolutely awesome i remember mm -hmm. you know after watching homeland he he kind of fell off for me because his character and that was so difficult yeah <laughs> but i i after watching this i was like back on the bandwagon of being like he could be james bond but da I, david I, schwimmer you... don't forget him and david schwimmer of course like easily one of the most despicable uh characters yeah. in 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 tv just just a most hated character yeah great great call but yeah fantastic show always love watching did you ever it. watch it's, the uh, pacific yeah, I've seen the Pacific a few times. That I'll yeah. I'll continue into that. And now they're working on they're working on one about um, the bombing campaign. Mm. That's I've on ever since I first started watching these shows, um, which would have been probably a decade ago or more uh, when I first saw it. Um, they've been talking about working on the next one, but it's always been 
yeah, standard. It's been a, it's about fighter, fighter masters pilots. of the air. It's going to be called. I'm uh, sure it will be. It'll be fantastic as well. Guess it's who's just, directing? Uh, Carrie Fukunaga. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, very interesting. And D. Reese. So there you okay. go. Okay. Interesting. But yeah, uh, yeah. I, I love it. And obviously I would recommend it as a first watch or a rewatch. Mm-hmm. Yes. Band of Brothers is so good. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent movie. A movie. TV series. <laughs> mini <laughs> mini series. It was HBO. It's not really TV, but yeah. Mm-hmm. It really stands like in terms of like, yeah, it's a little bit lower quality in terms of like uh, dollar dollar figures like than a, than a full on movie. But like for a nine or whatever. 10 part series it is like it's pretty remarkable what they were able to do with it and being in 2001 some of the effects work that they do is honestly just as looks just as good as it probably would today yeah mm-hmm. yes definitely recommend it. okay what's, wh- what's something else for you matt okay well um i'm gonna recommend a tv show a netflix show that okay. had its season two come out today and that is, oh. I think you should leave. Um, do you guys know? I think you should leave. Have you watched? I think you should leave. I think Sam has. It's funny that you bring it up because I actually only just started the first season this week, and I have like one episode left of season one. Oh wow, you're in for a treat. Boy, oh boy, is that ever is that ever a strange show? It, that's what makes it so funny. It's Tim Robinson, and I think actually, if you watch it multiple times, it the 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 comedy really hits, but. Um, Tim Robinson used to write for like SNL for a little while, but his skits were too weird. Like his sketches were too weird. So he got kind of let go. But uh, all those weird sketches then became part of, I think you should leave. So it's very absurdist um, and very hilarious uh, with some like memorable extreme characters. And um, they're just sketches and there's only like what, five or six episodes uh, but yeah, season two came out today. It's some of the funniest stuff that I've seen on TV. I kind of like that irreverent, absurdist humor. So for me, it's a perfect fit. If you like weird, funny things, I think it's it's great. When I saw that the series was like, when I first finished the first episode, I was like, what did I just watch? <laughs> and then I saw it was like executive produced by Andy Samberg. And I was like, ah, I kind of get it now. <laughs> well, I mean, and it became, a lot of it became like memeable stuff. Like there's one sketch is um, there, there's a hot dog car that crashes into a store and everyone's like, oh my God, what happened? What happened? And then there's this. Uh, this guy is in there in a hot dog costume, and he's clearly the guy who drove the car. He's like, "We're all trying to figure out who did this," <laughs> <laughs> and that became a meme. It's very funny. Anyway, yeah. Speaking of char- like actors showing up in things that you wouldn't expect, there was like the one episode in the first season. Where it's like all of a sudden Stephen Yen is in it, and I was like, "What?" Yeah, <laughs> was like, mud where did pie. Where'd you get Stephen Yen? Yeah, mud pie is classic. Yeah, yeah. The yeah Stephen Yen's in it, and. Uh... In the Bob Odenkirk's in the second one, uh, the second season. Oh, nice. Yeah, I can't remember who else. Probably some other people, but yeah, it's very funny. A lot of other like small part comedic actors that you see in other things uh, are in. I think you should leave as well. So, but it's very funny. They'll take like infomercials and just keep going. It's kind of relentless. But anyway, that's what I recommend. I recommend that one as my first recommendation. Nice. Do you have a, Do you have another one, Joyce? I do. It um it's so good, but it's so bleak. It's um Mayor of East Town. I think we talked about mm-hmm. it in the last episode very briefly. It's with Kate Winslet. Basically, it's just, you know, Kate Winslet's Emmy is being engraved as we speak, even though she's not nominated yet. But um it's so it's um it's about Mayor, who's Kate Winslet's character. She's a police officer. She'd been um, investigating the murder or not the murder, the disappearance of one of her friend's teenage daughters. This is a very, um, this is, this is a, um, very rough town. Like they, it's a low, it's a blue collar town. Most people are low income. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of drug abuse, domestic abuse, you know, like teenage pregnancies. It's like people aren't happy. They're struggling. And, um, and then on top of that, teenage girls are going missing and um and her job is to try and find them and then one teenage girl 
ends up um, being murdered. And so the entire series is her trying to figure out what happened to this girl, piecing it together, also still feeling the guilt of not being able to solve this disappearance from the year before and people having doubt that she's actually good at her job. And she's a, and she's a tough person to be around. Like nobody in this town is all that redeemable other than her teenage daughter, who's just trying to get out you know, and, um, and so it's, it's very, um, I hate using this word, but it's very real. Like it's, it's real life. There's no, like, it doesn't end happy. It ends not as sad, you know, like, <laughs> it's a good way of but, putting it. but it's, it's so well done. And, um, and yeah, it's Kate Winslet and the other, oh gosh, I don't remember who plays her mom, but it's Jean Smart. Jean Spark plays her mom there. Um, it's just such a incredible cast and she does, and she holds the whole thing together. The other thing about her is that like during the promotions for this movie, they were like, you know, like she is um, a hardened police officer. Her son died and they like the, I think the studio produced this movie poster of her looking very like flawless and sheeny. And she sent it back saying like, I have, I am way older than this poster. I have more wrinkles. I'm more like, she essentially kept sending back the poster until she looked haggard enough. <laughs> and um, yeah. And she I'm put on, yeah, she put on weight for the, for the show. And like, there's a, there's a sex scene where she shows some skin and, um, and she asked the director to stop positioning her where she, they can't like, there's a little bit of like, belly bulge you know and she's like that's normal <laughs> <laughs> like stop hiding it you know so yeah you know i've, I've only heard good things about the show and I, mm -hmm. it like puts her in that line of like you've got uh it's like you know matthew mcconaughey mahershal ali uh with true detective and now winslet right follows yeah. up in that kind of same fashion of like you want your emmy show up at hbo yeah, I'll give you like a hard boiled, she, really gritty detective series to just sink your teeth into. She, and, and she already has she already has an Emmy for that, like for the HBO limited series TV show. Like she, what's the what EGOT? That's like she's just missing the Tony. <laughs> can she sing? I don't know. Go for it. She can. Yeah. <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg even... has, an, has an EGOT. Yeah, John Legend has an egot. That's not surprising. Whoopi Goldberg's yeah. a little more surprising, but I mean, oh yeah, <laughs> Sister Act, she can sing. Yeah, yeah. The co the coveted egot. <laughs> mm -hmm. I can continue the the bleak train. If, okay. <laughs> if if we want, mm -hmm. uh, I watched back to back. I'll I'll throw two movies together back to back, um, for both. Matt and Joyce, you can see my background it reveals one of the Ooh, films. Oh, yes, yes. I have a guess. Which, uh, which is uh, Midsummer, which is oh, now no. streaming on Netflix. Um, yeah. Midsummer and Hereditary, two horror films that came out um, in the in the past uh, five or so years. Mm -hmm. um, both directed by uh, filmmaker Ari Aster. Um, mm -hmm. Both of them, excellent movies. Uh, mm -hmm. I, this is the second time I, I watched Midsummer. I chose to watch the director's cut this time because I just stand a director's cut. Just mm -hmm. give me like I get 30, it. 30 me minutes too. of the cutting room floor and I'll be happy. Yeah. But um, just starting with Midsummer, I think uh, a little bit more of a, a wider appeal. It, it does have its its horrific moments, but it also has a bit of uh, a bit of a, a fairy tale like quality and a bit of a, a sense of kind of disturbing humor to it as well mm -hmm. it's a very cathartic movie it's a breakup movie if you will um and midsummer pew yeah. yes it is Inter I'm, an interesting way of putting it <laughs> florence Pugh is awesome in it she just like carries the movie mm -hmm. it's a beautifully shot film and it's um it's definitely worth a watch now that it's on netflix i would say it's definitely for uh for a particular mood but it's not particularly scary if not just disturbing um more yes. than anything but it's it's very very good and the acting is 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 superb and uh 
it's it's pretty weird if you're into things like if you've ever seen the wicker man or uh, kind of uh kind of these uh folk horror films and we talked about the witch on this podcast and gave it a mm-hmm. quite a glowing review this follows a similar kind of tradition and uh one of the fun things about the movie too if you do end up watching it is the way it's filmed there's always things going on in the background it takes mm-hmm. place in in this swedish kind of uh seemingly idyllic village um where this midsummer festival is happening and you get all these extras in the background you know going about their their business doing their little rituals and whatnot that have to do with the festival so mm-hmm. it's a it's a very uh a fun movie to rewatch because you can kind of pick apart the little clues along the way and like look into the background and kind of learn more about this this interesting culture the flip is hereditary which is his previous film uh it's a, a possession ghost story about a family and it is probably the bleakest movie that i've seen in some time it's i've seen it now twice and it's really really great um again it kind of leans into some of that kind of folk horror territory and almost fairy tale like ending if you will but it is very dark the acting is fantastic um tony collette plays the the mother in this family um where things go horribly horribly awry um but yeah two very great horror movies both both streaming um both worth a watch if you have the stomach for it but uh yeah very very like impressive performances fantastic direction and really beautifully disturbing (laughs) i think would be a good even just reading the summary and the spoilers of midsummer like when it first came out um I think Matt and a, and a mutual friend at work were talking about it. And so I went and read the ending and, um, and even just reading about it disturbed me. <laughs> that was friend a of, friend of the podcast, Stephanie. Who, who always yes, exactly. Yes. Shout out Stephanie. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I would say Midsummer has like the weirdest happy, like if you're talking about a movie that ends not, uh, not happy, but just like slightly less sad. This is a movie that ends happy, but you should feel bad about yourself for being happy at the end yeah. of this movie, you know? <laughs> so I would say uh, still still a fun watch mm-hmm. for, for people who are kind of twisted like me. <laughs> well, do, do I get to wrap it up with one final movie? Um, yeah, go for it. Yeah. I... I I'm gonna I'm gonna go with so I've watched a bunch of crappy movies. Um, you could throw them all in the blender. Well, you know I have one to mention. Just oh, as okay. A little well, then this one. Yeah. Well, I, for one thing, I will say I did recently watch Pitch Black, which did get a reference in the news. That's Vin Diesel playing Riddick. Mm-hmm. It's a little um, sort of uh, survival horror isolation kind of movie. Um, it's fun. I th- I recommend that one uh, as a sort of you know, get away from other uh, sci-fi movies. Um, but here's the movie that I will recommend because I've been re-watching a lot of the X-Men movies and they're mostly bad. But X, <laughs> X2 is pretty good. I recommend the second X-Men movie. Uh, as like a, of all time. Uh, the second, uh, yeah, like I haven't got... Like with James Marsden in them? No, no, no. That's oh. James Mars. That's like uh, Days of Future Past, which is probably okay. And like, oh. um, I think First Class is okay as well. But mm-hmm. X2 is the one with um, Nightcrawler at the start trying to kill the president. Oh, yeah. James Marsden is... Oh, James um, Marsden. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. As Cyclops. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 That's... Yeah, yeah, you were right. Sorry, my bad. That's okay. Um, but it's... Uh, <laughs> it, it's a... You know, it's a fun movie that I think tries to tackle the whole... And it's very interesting how they tackle the whole mutant thing. And before you get to mm-hmm. Last Stand, which was awful. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it uh, does the whole... It does the whole, are mutants bad? Are they not? You, you get some points from Magneto, who I think is uh, right about everything, actually, <laughs> even though he's in an extreme um, situation. Uh, and the funny thing about it is, like, I was watching it with Laura, and she was like, because uh, she had thought she'd never seen it before, and I don't think she has. But there's a part where Wolverine has a flashback to Weapon X, 
And Laura was like, oh, I think I have seen this movie. But I'm pretty sure in every movie with Wolverine in it, he has a flashback to Weapon X. Much <laughs> like Batman, there's always a flashback to like his parents being murdered. It's just kind of standard and the fair. Ca- and the cave with the bats. Yeah, and like the pearls yeah. falling on the floor in the alley. So yeah. I was like, no, I'm pretty sure you've seen any Wolverine movie. And I did watch like, right now I'm watching Wolverine Origins. And that is the worst of all of them. I thought Last Stand was maybe the worst, but no. Mm-hmm. Origins is probably even apocalypse well i haven't got there yet that was (laughs) neil and i neil and i watched apocalypse in theaters and oh boy uh i don't think you have to go back to that was like suicide squad levels of bad so but Mm -hmm. yeah i recommend x2 and i recommend pitch black they're both fun movies and as always i recommend commando if you want to watch an 80s action movie i rewatched yeah. predator as well obviously Predator's great but watch commando because we've co- we've covered predator thoroughly yeah on this <laughs> but i will say yeah. one quick thing about predator and i noted this i think uh it's weird to me it's a very serious movie obviously and yet arnold still has one-liners like he's like <laughs> stick around you know and you're like wow that just seems so out of place in this movie do you think it helps the enduring quality of the movie? No, I think I think that was a matter where like some executive producers were like, um, we paid a lot of money for Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, he needs to say the one liners when he kills things. Mm. The one the one liner, like his get to the chopper line. Yeah. And that's the, the one one liner that like fits into the story, but still is an enduring and uh, line in the film well and your one ugly and and also of course the like you son of a bitch <laughs> that one's honestly my CIA favorite got film. you pushing my favorite people. scene scene in any film mm. ever 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 recorded ever put to celluloid predator is obviously awesome awesome and everyone should watch it and if you have disney plus you have all these old action movies and i suggest oh yeah 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 anyway mm. over over to Stacked. you joyce Okay, this is a bit of a departure on what we normally talk about, but there's a reason I wanted to mention it, just to even talk this through with the both of you. (laughs) Um, So I was looking just for like a feel-good, somewhat mindless movie that um, that also had like elements of food and travel because this is where we're at now. (laughs) And so I rewatched Chocolat which came out, I think, in the Mm. early 2000s. I don't remember exactly when, but I'd say it's around like between 2002 and 2006, something like that. And and it's, you know, it's like a, a mysterious, unwed, not Catholic woman moves into a small French town and like opens up everybody's minds by the use of chocolate, you know, and like falls in love with Johnny Depp. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because like this movie was peak Johnny Depp as in like peak. He is the perfect leading man. He can do no wrong. This was such an easy role for him to just fit into. Like he um, hadn't quite hit Pirates of the Caribbean fame yet or he was just in the first one it hadn't become this major franchise and like and he lived a somewhat uncomplicated life in his in France with his family raising chickens you know like and I gotta say I gotta say like in 2021 I kind of missed that Johnny Depp like he was for a while there like the the leading man who could do no wrong just a family man in france raising chickens you know <laughs> boy how times and have now, changed and now he's not even allowed to be the like the like hitler wizard yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, he can't even be that anymore i know yeah you you were correct the movie came out in 2000 and pirates of the caribbean came out in 2003 so this okay. did pre pre-date yeah poor job well yeah for us for missing out on what could have been continued peak johnny but he yeah. just had to be a terrible person. Mm-hmm. Um, I will finish up as well with one quick last recommendation because yeah. um, uh, I'm looking forward to watching the second uh, this weekend, perhaps uh, a Netflix trilogy of horror. I put that kind of in quotes, horror <laughs> films called Fear Street. Oh, um, yeah. So this is uh, a new trilogy of, of movies that are all tied together that are releasing in consecutive weekends uh, starting last weekend. Fear Street, like R.L. Stein Fear Street? Yes. 
Wow. So based okay. on the, the, the Fear Street books by R.L. Stein, yeah. uh, um, I'll pull up the name of, of the filmmaker who made these, but um, it's kind of like this. So the first one that I've watched is called Fear Street 1994. Mm-hmm. The next one is Fear Street 1976 or something. And then the last one is Fear Street 1666 or something. Hmm. And it's a story that's all interconnected playing on genre horror tropes from the eras so the first one i watched was very indebted to scream obviously and some other 90s adjacent uh horror films but it was it was pretty fun it's not super scary it definitely has a bit of a young leaning vibe to it while also being on netflix which means they can be extremely violent sometimes and you know cover far more adult territory than what you could get away with with like a 14a movie in a movie theater mm-hmm. it's definitely r-rated but um it's, it's a fun little story. It's like, essentially, like there's a, a, a witch's curse that lo- hangs over Shadyville or whatever it's called. And then their next door neighbor, uh, Sunnyville, um, you know, is very prosperous. It sounds kind of corny, but I think, I think it is thing- Shadyville. It is for sure. Yeah. It's, I think one of those. Yeah. Anyways, you've got yeah. these bipolar kind of uh, neighboring cities and one is doomed and always has these serial killers you know throughout the the decades there's all these like killing sprees and um these like deranged killers and on the other side it's all this like prosperous stuff and it's just about these kids you know trying to navigate this and uh, yeah. solve the mystery if you will yeah but um i thought it was fun i would say i'd recommend it for someone just like i i described it as the perfect halloween binging fair but mm-hmm. in july mm-hmm. so if you get if you can get into that mindset it could be a lot of fun for you uh as well i'm 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 very much looking forward to the next installment which is like a very much friday the 13th uh set at a camp you know um murder fest so i think <laughs> i think it'll be fun uh maya hawk also stars in it uh, oh yeah um which kind of shows where this where this show is at but it was it was good i think they you know they had uh you know um a few openly uh uh lesbian characters and some other kind of yeah um lgbtq um characters as well and you know very seamless not sort of like pandering way which i think just works really well in the story and the the actors were all great little dynamic together so it's it's a fun watch pretty pretty um easy easy watching so mm-hmm. i would say I would, I would recommend checking out fear street and staying tuned for the two if, follow-up movies that'll if be you out. if you lived in shadyville and then also lived on fear street in shadyville <laughs> do you think that any shenanigans you're like eh, yeah as as advertised you know like don't really know how ravens just aren't falling dead at my feet every week. Like. <laughs> they kind of they kind of play up play on that as well. It's like yeah. nobody really is phased when there's another like you know like yeah. masked killer or whatever. But it, the the show does a good job of like taking itself not seriously, but kind of taking itself seriously enough uh, that that it's not just like pure camp. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it was cool. I kind of liked it. I, I'll pull up the name of the person who's doing the adaptation uh lee janiak she's kind of i think she kind of broke through with like a indie horror thing starring um what's her name john john snow's like wife in uh game of thrones egret i don't know the actress but yeah oh rose leslie yeah there we go boom we got yeah yeah yeah. she was in her uh her her first film which is i guess like a little indie horror and now she's gone on to make a netflix trilogy zach snyder aren't you jealous (laughs) you you know i was just thinking about um just as a closing thought i was thinking about the eternals and like and there's and like so many um not so many like a few not Marvel. Oh my gosh. Goodness. Game of Thrones stars are now like transitioning over to Marvel movies. And I used to feel so bad for Richard Madden because he was like the 
like main star for for like four seasons of Game of Thrones, and then he just you know gets beheaded. Mm-hmm. Um, spoilers? Question mark. But um, <laughs> I mean, and, we, we um, spoiled Loki. I think it's yeah, yeah, I know. I'm just kidding around. But um, but I think that other than Amelia Clark, he may be the most successful post Game of Thrones. Yeah, Richard Madden. Yeah, well, he was in that he, the Bodyguard or whatever, right? He that show. He was. He he was also was in. Yeah, know. he was also in that biopic of Elton John. He played a huge part. Oh, okay, I mean, yeah. uh, I guess like Kit Harrington is still working or whatever. The the actress who played um, Leanna Mormont is getting work as well. Remember, we loved her. Um, oh yeah, so, yeah, there, yeah, there yeah, some yeah. people going on. Yeah, I was gonna say too, That's like to, on uh, with regards to feeling bad for Richard Madden. It's like it's like uh, you know. You either die in the good seasons of Game of Thrones or live long enough to have to be in that terrible last season. Oh, that's true. Remember how I was talking about how Wolverine Origins is the worst movie. You know who wrote it because I sent a screenshot of the... Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Benioff is one of the writers, which just goes to show some people, they just fail up. They just keep failing up. (laughs) And I ride the coattails of like a really good writer. Yeah. uh, Find like George R. R. Barton. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, who wrote a video game, by the way? He's got a video game coming out. Oh wow! Anyway, uh, the one the one thing I will end on uh, mm. is that I do not recommend the movie Highlander, which uh, <laughs> it, I believe it's it's is it a thirtieth anniversary? It is an anniversary year for Highlander, and um, mm-hmm. it is a it's an awful movie. I don't know how this spawned a franchise. There were two more movies and a TV show, and they're doing a reboot with Henry Cavill. Mm-hmm. It's not good at all. Um, the casting is so weird. Sean Connery plays a Spaniard, and <laughs> um, what's his name? Hold on, I'll look it up. But. The uh, the guy who's playing a Scotsman is um, Christopher Lambert, who, who doesn't even do a Scottish accent. He just sort of like he sounds like uh, Tommy Wiseau. That's who he sounds like. Oh, well, well, Matt, oh, it's great called acting. <laughs> 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 anyway, it is a very bad movie, and I don't recommend you watch it, even for laughs. It's not even that mm-hmm. good, um, and it also has one of the most awkward sex scenes I've seen in a movie in a long time. So. Mm. Don't watch it. Unfortunate. Anyway, I think that's it. Those are some good recommendations. Maybe we'll have them all listed in the show notes. I don't know. Uh, otherwise, we'll be I'll back. I'll figure that out. We'll be back someday. Who knows when? Maybe maybe we'll recap Loki when it's all done. Or uh... We're also going to assign something to watch to each other. Oh, yeah. We'll do that. Yeah, too. we'll stay tuned for that one. Yeah. Yeah. Just watch all of Futurama, Joyce. That's your... Okay. Anyway. On it. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. See you then.